Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jot Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is the day. Matter of fact, today is the 15-letter cuss word day. Might take y'all a minute to figure out what that means. It's a big day for me. That's right. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders in the Making of Men drops today, and so your boy is geeked. Uh, been excited all night, had to find it hard to sleep. Uh, yeah, but we're going to talk about that more. Uh, right now, I want y'all to be prepared to be entertained and dazzled for the next hour or so as me and uh, Big Joe and the Big Rig talk about the Cowboys, um, more Cowboys, and a little bit of college football because Texas OU was lit last week. And uh, that was only my third Texas OU game. Uh, and I was trying to, I remembered the first one, didn't remember the second one. Uh, needed some help on that one. But last week was an, was an epic game, so we're going to get into that. And of course, no week on Jock Talk Podcast would be complete without some Deion Sanders talk in Colorado football. Uh, but right now, uh, you ready, Doc? I'm ready. I'm still okay. trying to figure out the, the what'd you say, 15 letters? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, work, on, work on that while I tell y'all about the people you need to call if you ever get involved in an accident and it's not your fault. Real talk now. Uh, accidents happen every day. They really do. And so if you get involved in one and it's not your fault, and it doesn't matter where you are as long as you're not at, at, uh, at your house. You know, you can be at, a, at an apartment complex. You can be at a store. If you hurt somewhere and you're not at home, Call my people over there at Grinning Law, 972-934-8900, and let them help you through the process. Now, the consultation is free, all right? You call them. You say, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? And if they bring you on as a client, I'm telling you, it's really been your lucky day. Uh, when you get hurt and it's not your fault and you got to go up against somebody else's insurance company and try to get what you deserve, you need somebody to walk through that process with you. Why? I'll tell you why. Because it can be complicated. It can be tedious. It can be long and arduous and scary and intimidating. All those things. Because they want you to make you feel uncomfortable. You need to work on rest and renewal and get your body back right. Grinning Law will help you do that. Why? Because they're going to walk you through the process. They're going to hold your hand. They're going to carry a flashlight. And they're going to say, hey, take a left right here. Hold it tight for a minute. Now take a right. Walk straight ahead. Stop. Sit down, rest for a minute. Okay, now let's go again, take a left. They're going to guide you through the process. They're going to answer questions, check this out, that you didn't even know were supposed to be asked. Now, did you get that? They're going to answer the questions that you didn't even know you were supposed to ask. That's why they are who they are. Robert Greening is terrific at what he does. He does a lot of good work in the community. And so if you're involved in a situation and it's not your fault, you've got to pick up the phone Call 972-934-8900. Let Grinning Law go to work for you because they don't get paid. Listen to me closely now, unless you get paid. Did you hear that? They don't collect a nickel, a dime, a quarter, nothing, unless you get paid. Now, you don't have to take my word for how good they are. Go check out the website, 
listen to what other people say about it. Greeninglaw.com. And then if you ever find yourself in that situation, pick up the phone, 972-934-8900, and let the green team go to work for you. Now, this is one of my favorite parts of the week. Um, I think it's one of Big Joe's favorite parts of the week. It's where we talk about four plays that shaped the game. Because I've covered the NFL for a long time, almost 30 years. And I started doing this, and I've done it in various forms, from print to radio, even magazine one time. Uh, and it's just fascinating how you can play a football game, whether it's a close game or whether it's a blowout. And the game can change on a handful of plays every week. So like this week, there was 116 plays in the Cowboys game. We're going to focus on four of them. Because I got to tell y'all, um, I had it a close game. Uh, you know, Vegas had, I think, uh, San Francisco by three or four. And so we all thought it was going to be a close game. None of us really expected the blowout that we got, uh, the butt kicking that San Francisco handed Dallas. And these games are always interesting. When you had these big games where everybody's hyped and everybody's looking forward to the game and San Francisco been waiting on it and Dallas been waiting on it, you expect everybody to come out fast and smoking. Well, friends, only one team did that. That was San Francisco. They went seven plays, 75 yards on the first drive. Zip, 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 zip. Didn't even have, check this out. Didn't even have a first, I mean, a third down. They had five first downs on the drive. No adversity. They up 7-0 on a 19-yard pass to George Kittle. Now, I did get a text from somebody during the game. Say, I told you Kittle was going to hurt him all game long. I'll let y'all figure out who sent me that text. But, you know, uh, some people. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, see, look at you telling on yourself. Um, and so I'm watching the game, and right away I'm like, your Cowboys got problems. Like, they need to do something quickly to steal the momentum back. And going three and out didn't do it. But when they forced San Francisco to go three and out, I go, okay, they got the ball again. Maybe now they can settle down. Dallas goes three and out again. And San Francisco is marching. And I'm like, dang, this thing is going to be over quickly if they don't do something. So San Francisco's moving the ball. They've, uh, they've gotten life because um, uh, J. Ron Curse, yeah, our buddy J. Ron Curse, um, you know, commits a penalty that, uh, that extends the drive uh, on third and five. And it's, it's, the kind of, it's the worst kind of penalty, man. You're fighting to stay in the game. Uh, he's offsides, lined up offsides, not even a conversation. He's so offsides. You can't even say anything. He's like, dude, get your head in the game, bro. And so that converts. And so San Francisco gets the ball. It's first 10 at the 49. They move all the way down to the Dallas 31, and at this point, I'm like, they're about to go up 14-0 right here, and this thing is going to be a wrap before it even gets started because what did we say last week? We said Dallas does not need to be chasing this particular game. So first and 10 from the Dallas 31, and here's what happened. First downs for the Niners, as you see, two three and outs for the Cowboys in this opening quarter. This play is stopped for a delay a game. Delay a game. Offense. Five-yard penalty. First out. First one on San Francisco. Four penalties on Dallas so far. 
And dude, I was like, look at San Francisco trying to keep the, keep everybody entertained and interested. Because delay a game in that situation to me seems like, how in the hell you do that? Uh, the play probably came in late, and uh, he's up at the line trying to make some adjustments, got away from him. But to me, that saved Dallas because any of us who've watched football for a long time, me and uh, Joe talk about it from time to time, you, you get a loss on first down or you get a five-yard penalty on first down or a 10-yard penalty on first down, it feels like it almost wrecks your drive every time because now it's first and 15 and you can't do what you want to do. Uh, you don't have the same luxury to run the same set of plays you were planning to run. So what does San Francisco do? Incomplete, incomplete, third and 15. Uh, they run uh, McCaffrey up the middle on kind of a draw play. It loses five yards. And what looked like a possibility where they were about to seize control of the game right then, nope, they end up punting on fourth and 20, and the Cowboys uh, have a chance to, uh, to get back in the game. Now, we all know how the game ended, and so they did not get back into the game whatsoever. But we're in a situation now where your Cowboys are down 14 nothing, and, okay, the reality of it is if they don't score on this drive – Coming up, I think it's about over. If they can get make it 14-7, get a stop, maybe they get a field goal, maybe they get a touchdown, you can get back in it. There are ways that you can see they get back in it. So Cowboys have moved the ball. It's their first good drive of the game. First good drive of the game doesn't come into the second quarter. We can talk about that later, about how pathetic that is. But it happens. They've converted one first down, but now they find themselves in a tricky situation, third and seven at the Dallas 48. Now, check this out. I done already said, if they get it close, they have got to go for it because the way this game is trending, they're going to get blown out if they don't, if they don't get it and they give San Francisco the ball back at midfield. Um, or even if they punt and San Francisco drives because they haven't really shown that they can, they can really shut this offense down. So it's third and seven, and I'm thinking two plays if necessary, and here's what happens for your Dallas Cowboys. Important on the back end. Third and seven. Man rush. They're coming after it. Dak got rid of it. There goes Jake Ferguson for the first down. Pushed out of bounds inside the 35-yard line. Good-looking throw to the second-year man out of Wisconsin. You know, I like Jake Ferguson. Big first down. Three plays later, Dak Prescott goes to uh, Cavante Turpin. 26 yards. Nice route. Nice throw. Touchdown. It's 14-7, and I ask you, Big Joe, did you say we got a ball game, or you go, eh, this is only staving off the inevitable for just a moment? It was a ray of hope. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, you now, you know, he used I'm... to be a former thespian in high school, yeah. so the way he said that, he pulled that up. Yeah, a ray of hope. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I just thought, man, we might be in this thing. Okay, okay, we're going to settle down. It's all good. Right, and so here's what's next. Just like in baseball – and one reason the Rangers game, yeah, we're going to talk about the Rangers at some point, not today, but at some point. Uh, the way the Rangers beat the Orioles the other day and the way it kept being a ball game is they couldn't get a shutdown in it. Every time they scored, Orioles came back and scored. So when you look at the Cowboys, it's 14-7. Here's the thought. What if you get a three and out? Get the ball back, got a little momentum, 14-10, 14-14, it's a whole different ball game. Let's see what they can do. They come out, and it's third and four. Okay, here's a huge play, third and four, and um, here's what happened. 
explanation there to understand why we're at third and four and not the loss of down and third and much longer. Three underneath for McCaffrey got hit hard. That pass is incomplete and the flag does come down as it's thrown from the back. Flag and a hat thrown. As McCaffrey was waiting for the reception and got tagged. Guy looks over the sideline says he's okay. And the flag sometimes the hat gets thrown if the receiver's out of bounds. But that hat was thrown it's, towards it's, the middle of the field. I like think it's, it's a second flag. There are two yes, fouls. I think. Unsportsmanlike conduct taunting number one of the defense. That penalty's declined. That's his first foul towards disqualification. Personal foul, unnecessary roughness, number one of the defense. 15 yard penalty and an automatic first down. Bruh, I just shook my head, man. Uh, number one, <laughs> I didn't mean to make it funny there. It wasn't uh, J. Ron Curse with the unnecessary roughness, it was Donovan Wilson. And he literally just destroyed Christian McCaffrey on that play. Donovan Wilson is the human missile, he's a very, very physical downhill safety. He's a ball hawk, he's a playmaker. Uh, he's a really good player. He's hurt early in, the, in training camp with a strained calf, and that's why we've only seen him for a couple of weeks. Um, did you think that that was unnecessary roughness? Yeah, it was helmet to helmet. You know what I call that in today's NFL, man? Because the first thing I thought about is, oh, if this was college football, that would be targeting. Mm -hmm. Because he hit him just, I mean, he, I mean, he knocked the snot out of him. Uh, and I was glad for Dallas to see that hit because they needed to bring some physicality to it the way San Francisco was. That being said, you couldn't get the 15-yard penalty right there. They, they moving the ball too good. You didn't gave them a reprieve. Now, let me ask you this. What did you think about the taunting call? Well, you know what? You, you got you, you, you to understand the, 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 the referees that you're working with because some referees, if you clean, they'll let you talk trash. If you if you in somebody's face or you say certain things or you do certain gestures, they won't they won't let you talk trash. I thought it was it was a it was a hype moment where your boy probably was like, Yeah and he just said something off the cuff. The captain he might have called uh uh McCaffrey a sixteen letter cuss word or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just saying, uh 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 that's that's what you gotta be aware of when you playing in them type of games. Uh no, that's a good point. Uh, my 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 take on it was Curse did not get his money's worth for whatever taunting penalty he had. Yeah. But the bigger issue was you didn't gave San Francisco a first down, man. In, yeah. in a situation where you had I don't like none of us think the Cowboys are gonna win this game. But they just scored a touchdown. Now they basically about to get a four and out and get the ball back, probably somewhere, uh, hopefully it's a touchback for them, but probably somewhere around their 10, 15 yard line. They just drove the ball, 11 plays, 78 yards. You can get back in the game right here if you get the ball back. I mean, it's easy to say at the 42 10, dog, what are you talking about? They got smoked. But there was a chance right here for them to get back in the game. They didn't do it, man. And San Francisco took advantage of that reprieve. And uh, what is that? Six plays later, Christian McCaffrey goes for a touchdown. And it's 21-7. And you back to thinking, well, this just looked like some sad singing and some slow walking off the field today because I don't think they have a chance. Well, uh, if you hope against hope, 
you know, the Cowboys get the ball back at the half, you know, and you're thinking, well, they score here, they get the ball back, they score again, uh, you know, and that's hope against hope. Yeah, but, I mean, you got the right idea because they take the second-half kickoff and uh, they move it for a little while, and then, you know, it's the same thing, man. They can't uh, – they lose a yard on third down, and, uh, you know, it sets up a 50-yard field goal because uh, they had a big play to CeeDee Lamb, the only one he made for 29 yards, and that put him in good position. They had first and 10 at the San Francisco 37. Uh, but on first down, and what did we talk about drive stoppers? Tony Pollard loses a yard. And then on third and four from the San Francisco 31, uh, I didn't like the play call. I think it was an inside handoff. It was a yard. And I just didn't like it because, um, I don't know, they hadn't really run the ball very well all day. Now, maybe Mike McCarthy was setting up for two plays, and when he didn't get it, he had to settle for Brandon Aubrey's 50-yard field goal. So that makes it 21-10. But still. 21-10, what are you thinking? You're thinking, if they get a stop right here, get the ball back, even if they kick another field goal, it's an eight-point game, it's one possession. If they score a touchdown, it's a, it's a ball game, it's 21-17. They have the momentum now. And, Doug, this to me was one of the most embarrassing things I've seen from your Dallas Cowboys, okay? They give up three consecutive first downs, and then all of a sudden they stiffen. McCaffrey goes for three, so a second and six. And then, uh, you know, there's a, there's a holding call that knocks it down. So it's third and 13. Brock Purdy completes a, a – uh, a, a, uh, actually, let me get it right. It was third and three, and they hit this pass to Brandon Ayuk for 40 yards. And you're like, damn. And then you go, oh, there's a holding call. Bring that thing back. It's third and 13 at the San Francisco 40. And one of the most embarrassing things I've seen in 30 years of covering the Cowboys happens right now on this play. In coverage. Jordan Lewis back in. Going down, Purdy throwing in the middle. This time it's Debo Samuel. He's off and running. Samuel inside the 20. Knocked down at the 18-yard line. And Purdy's accuracy continues to be outstanding. Bro. You give up a 40-yard pass, and it gets called back because of a holding penalty. Okay? And then, on the very next play, on third and 13, you give up another 40-yard pass on a dig route. That's a deep-end route. That, to me, back-to-back 40-yard plays, I was like, well, we got to do a podcast after the game. Otherwise, I'd have turned the TV off and went to sleep right then. That's what I would have done because it was, uh, it was a wrap, dog. To me, that was the, that was the game breaker right there because San Francisco goes down and scores. That makes it 28 to 10 on another touchdown to Kittle. You're not coming back from 28 to 10 in this particular game. So the ball game's over with 7.24 left in the third quarter. I think all things was aligned for the Cowboys to get this butt whooping right here. I mean, think about it. Shanahan knows uh, he knows he knows Coach Quinn's system. They both know each other's system, but I guess Shanahan was better at exploiting it. It looked like you know the Cowboys was nervous with like what you was talking about earlier, lining up in the neutral zone and uh, lining up offside. That's nerves, man. And, Why do you uh, say it's nerves? 
because you when you when you when you when it's nerves, you you know lining up in position in football is second nature. It's just you know you either you two and four if you strong safety, you uh you know your lineup your your lineup where you line up on a certain play is not even something you think about. When you nervous, you do uncharacteristic stuff. Parsons with him jumping you know jumping a couple of times. Um, the, the refs are affecting him a lot because the Cowboys line up so close to the neutral zone that the ref, you know, they kind of doing him like a wide receiver. He got to kind of look over and say, am I good? Am I good? That's just another tactic to keep him from jumping the snap. So them guys, was I thought the Cowboys was really nervous and really hyped to try to get this game. This game meant a lot to them, and they talked about it all week like it didn't. No, I think they, they talked about it like, I mean, I think they talked about it like it was a big game. And like this, I mean, Michael Parsons called it a playoff game. And somebody else was like, oh, this is payback. I think they put a lot into it. And I think that's why they were so hyped. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you have to stay. As people who played sports, and I didn't play it at that level, obviously. But you have to stay within the moment and embrace the moment and not let it, not let it take you over. And I think uh, when we look back at this game, the moment swallowed up the Cowboys. And uh, you can be too hyped. And you can play, you cannot play well because you're so excited and you start pressing. We see it with the Rangers all the time. And I'm talking about the Rangers because they're making a deep run in the playoffs now. But we've seen them at various times be extremely hot and extremely cold. And every time they come off a cold streak, they'll tell you we were pressing. We were trying to hit homers. We were trying to do this. We just didn't let the game come to us because when the game comes to them, they walk a lot and they hand the baton off to the next guy and say, hey, you take care of business. I just got on base however I did. Um, so your Dallas Cowboys get stomped 42-10, worst loss in the Mike McCarthy era. Uh, I can't wait to see how they re- respond and rebound because uh, the Chargers is a tough game because the Chargers got a good offense. They actually got a good defense. Uh, they're a good team that somehow finds ways to lose instead of ways to win too often. Uh, so it's going to be a very tough test for them. Right now, though, it's time to talk to my man, my former partner on the Cowboys beat, Todd Archer, brought to you each and every Wednesday by Smokey John's Barbecue. Hello. What up, bro? What's going on? Oh, you sound crystal clear, man. You know, Todd has the best phone <laughs> connection. I asked him if he was doing something special. He said, clean living. And so, you know, I take that as a good thing. <laughs> uh, we're going to start with Archer, who's brought to, you, brought to us each and every Wednesday by Smokey John's Barbecue. Uh, Doug, uh, before we get into what Jerry Jones has said about uh, his thoughts on the loss, and before we get into C.D. Lamb's petulance, What's your initial takeaway from that thing that happened in the Bay? They are who we thought they were. Um, <laughs> the quote, Denny Green. I mean, until proven otherwise, why should you? Why should anybody believe that this year, this year will be different? And 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 now maybe that's a little harsh, but I'll also say this: whatever happened, if they won that game, I don't think it would have changed anything. They lost the way they lost pretty bad, but this season isn't defined about we talk about it every week. What happens in the regular season? This season is defined by what they do in the playoffs. Now, 
getting waxed by the Niners certainly isn't the way you want to would want to go into a playoff game against these guys. Um, right. Because that was just not competitive. Like they had no answers offensively, clearly. They had no answers defensively, clearly. And that's that's the worry. Like they were one score games against the Niners in the first two pre, uh, playoff games. But those felt like more than one score games. And now they're coming off a game where Purdy throws four touchdowns. McCaffrey, yeah, okay, they bottled him up pretty good. They still ran it 41 times. It's the attempts. It's not the yards per carry. They controlled every aspect of that game. So what would give you confidence that the Cowboys can do anything different when and if they meet in the playoffs other than the NFL's any given Sunday adage? I don't know if that's a confidence booster either. No, uh, uh, what's your level of shock that they got blasted the way they did? I'm pretty shocked. I, I guess surprised, yeah, because I, we've not seen this team really get blown out that way. I mean, even the the Tampa game to open last year, okay, it was 19-3, to but the defense really kind of kept Tom Brady in check that day. And, you know, you, you got to go back in the, the last game last year against Washington was a who cares game because it didn't change anything about their, their seeding. But you got to go back to the McCarthy's first year when Dak played five games where they just got creamed like this. So, what, Jacques, we were talking about after the game, what, what was their worst loss before this one? Like when you had everybody, right, and not when guys were hurt or you're missing five guys here and two guys there. I, w- I was thinking maybe 2017 at Denver week two, they, they lost 42-17. Remember, that was a game everybody got on Z for not tracking down an interception. Um, yeah. That one might have been. They got that smoked one. in that one. And then, honestly, maybe 44-6 in 08. Like, that That was in the conversation. I mean, it's, it. they don't have these kind of stinkers, really. Well, I was going to say, they don't. Well, I say that, but they, they did have a 37-9 uh, to Philly that year. And the twenty-eight to right. six. Zeke, with, uh, Zeke was suspended, though, so that's where I'm saying right. everybody was available, right? So, so, so yeah, that changes so it a little uh, bit. Like this is the one. Hey, they get their five offensive linemen, and how'd that go for them? You know, and and <laughs> you know, and Tony Pollard fumbles. Tony Pollard never fumbles. He didn't fumble since his rookie Dude. year. Like, like that. That was a huge play. Um, you know. I'm not going to excuse the the, the interceptions because they started when it was 28 to 10, but it wasn't like the like Dak was playing well before the interceptions either. No, what should take on Dak? Is he seeing ghosts against these guys? I mean, this is three straight games against the Niners where he's just not performed. Do they have his number? Do, do, you know, and, and it, it was bad. I mean, there were there were plays that he missed. Like I'm thinking, it was it the first pass to the, the schoonmaker. He airmailed right. him. Like he's open. Put it on him. You know, and yeah, I know you're hyped up, and that's you know. No, it definitely sounded like a dude. Definitely looked like a dude who was amped up, and he never found a comfort zone. And I've been I've been using Texas Rangers analogies all morning, but now I'm gonna go to a Troy Aikman analogy. The best thing about Troy Aikman is in the big games or in the important games, 
he always started off level like he was he always embraced that moment always controlled that moment and i remember it because brett Favre would come out and airmail the first passes on the first couple series while he settled into the game and troy aikman was always from the jump and i mean that's why he's a super bowl champion that's why he's a hall of famer uh because the big moments were never too big for troy and that one at least initially looked like it was too big for Dak. yeah and it's if we're being honest, like, yeah, they, they've moved the ball between the 20s and they've struggled in the red zone before this game. And I, But if you looked at this, at this offense and said, wow, they got something going here, just they're, 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 they're just that much off. Everything kind of seems kind of. So to me, dog, it's really just about they just got Dak's got to embrace the moment, and it just seemed like he ain't do it, and that's why he came out too amped up the other day. Yeah, I mean, and then it can, for all the people that think Dak is not a very good quarterback, he he's never won a big game. We've seen him perform in big games and play well, not the biggest of the year, obviously in the in the playoffs at the end of the year when when they needed him to, but. I'll go back to this about just the offense in general through the first five games. Have you been – they moved it between the 20s, the red zone stunk. Okay, fine. But is there, have you been impressed by what you've seen offensively? Like, it's just no. kind of meh, isn't it? You, you know why? You ain't seeing no big plays. Right. I mean, Brandon Cooks but, has been a non-factor. CeeDee Lamb hadn't really been a factor down the field. Uh, you're not seeing any big plays, and that's – that's how you score touchdowns with big plays. And and so I want I wanted to go okay what they have last year through uh, five games and the chunk plays that they had and really the numbers aren't that far off. But you know why that's not a good comparison because Cooper Rush is the quarterback after the opener against Tampa Bay, and they yes. then they they narrowed it they they played differently offensively. So you can't even use that as a good comparison. But here like I, I got a story coming for later in the week and might. Appear uh, on Monday before they play the Chargers. Just the differences between Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy f- for the offense. Air yards per attempt right. under Kellen, 8 1. Under Mike, 6 5. Percentage of attempts 20 yards down the field, 11% under Kellen, 6% under Mike. Um, percentage of attempts behind the line of scrimmage, Kellen, 19%. Mike, 25%. Average time before pass, 2.73 seconds under Kellen, 2.51 under, under uh, Mike McCarthy. And here's another one like that surprised me. Like, what do we think Dak is really good at? Getting outside the pocket, making plays on the run. With Kellen Moore, sixty-five. His QBR was sixty-five. Was sixty-five outside the pocket. With McCarthy, it's eleven. That's 11. unbelievably eleven. Like, dude, I, I I don't know where the movement game came has gone in this passing game. Remember, boots and waggles, like that's what Dak was really good at doing. And we've not seen right. much of that at all. So, I, I, Okay, well, riddle me this. Tell me why those stats are important, like air yards and behind the area and, and all that. Why does that matter? Well, it, it speaks to how they're playing it differently um, under McCarthy and what, Kellen, and what Dak did, not only under Kellen, but really his entire career. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it, he's been in the same offense his entire career from 2016 through last year. 
and they brought in the, the Texas coast, as they've called it. Right. Something's not working here. And, and, you know, the West Coast deal, we always talk about it's hey, get it out quick and let the guys make plays and yeah, blah, 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 blah. Well, if the guys aren't getting open, it's hard for them to make plays. And if the quarterback's not putting them on in a spot where they can catch it after they can run it, then that, then, then that's not good either. So there's there's just something that seems off about the entire offense at the moment. I'm not saying they can't be better and they won't be better. And the good news is, I guess you have to look at it is they ain't playing the Niners again until <laughs> second week in January at some point. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, right. uh, Before we move on to Jerry Jones, how do you feel about Dak and his contract? What are you doing with it? Because the, the natural well, assumption has been, I was going to say the natural assumption has been, oh, well, you need to redo it. And and locking up, but you know, how do you deal with that sixty million dollar cap hit next year, or do you just say, well, cap goes up, and we'll just work around it and manage it? Right, and, and you got to be careful what I'm going to say here because then you're going to then it'll be. I'm not breaking any news. I'm not stating any opinions. <laughs> I'm just laying out all of the possibilities when when I say this. Right, first of all, Todd Archer says, get rid of that. Right. Thank you. I, that's what you'll put out there. <laughs> First of all, you can't do an extension this year during okay. the season. There's right. no there's no salary cap benefit for it this year because right. they can't lower his base salary any lower than what it is. Right. Right. Um, so that that's an off season conversation. Well, let's say the Cowboys go eleven and seven and make through the wild card round and lose again in the divisional round. Then his cap number next year is fifty nine point four five million. Name all the quarterbacks who have been that their team with their team that took that drafted them as long as Dak will this will after year eight that have taken a team to a Super Bowl for the first time after that long. I bet the answer is zero or one. Peyton Manning was in his ninth year when he went to his first Super Bowl, but he had to wait for Tom Brady to Finally, right. not go to one. Uh, Matt Ryan in Atlanta uh, was year eight or nine for him down there. And Ken Anderson. This this is all since 1980. It's hard with the previous before that right. because there was no Super Bowl. Um, so, at some point, do they have? Do the Cowboys have to ask the question? Is it better to just start over, start the quarterback clock over again with Trey Lance? Drafting a guy, acquiring another quarterback, then then putting in fifty plus million on Dak when he's had an eight year run and not gotten it done. That's not his fault entirely, right. right? But but in how you're constructing the team, those are at least questions that you have to ask before you just put all the money in there again. Because theoretically, you've built a better. It, it's almost like the 2016 Cowboys, where they've built a good team up that helped Dak his rookie year, right? And that team right. was designed for Romo. You've almost going to have this similar situation in place again with a really good, a much better defense than you had. Then, and you'll have CeeDee Lamb, decent enough offensive players and an offensive line to help the, the new quarterback, rookie quarterback, young quarterback, whatever quarterback that – you at least have to ask that question if, if you're the Cowboys, don't you? 
And I think you do, and I'm not necessarily, as much as I like Dak, I'm not necessarily opposed to that if you think, for real, once you have him for a year, you know what? I like Trey Lance. I, th- I like what he's doing. He beats out Cooper Rush, and he's the backup. And he looks good on the scout team, and he's doing all – if you believe that and you think he's got a shot, you know, clearly he had a certain talent level to be taken third overall. Uh, he's going to be a top, you know, 10, 15 pick anyway, whether San Francisco grabbed him or some other team did. And so if you think he's the guy, now's the time to go get him on the cheaper contract and see if they once again have stolen a quarterback without taking one in the first round. Right, and, and that was the whole reason why they made the trade. It wasn't to get leverage on Dak in a contract extension. They, if Dak takes these guys to an NFC game, an NFC championship game or Super Bowl, extend them. Do it. Right? I mean, wh- why wouldn't you? Because you, you, you're either on the precipice or, or the, the, the offense finally started uh, connecting with him and McCarthy and what they want to do. So extend them out. Do that. But if he hasn't, then you at least have Trey Lance. Or, or I mean, look at it. What did Philadelphia do, was it two years after they signed Carson Wentz to the big contract? Yeah. When did they draft yeah, Jalen Hurts? $33 million dollar cap hit. Right. Look at the cap hit the Packers are taking this year. $40 million bucks. Like, it's, it's not ideal by any stretch of the imagination to either move on or just play it out. Um, but teams are starting to do that because they just look at the cost of – what it is again yeah. it, not not Dak's fault it's the way the market goes but just you think the giants wouldn't want to do over on daniel jones contract at the moment and they they might just do that doug in, in another year and they might just be like you know what doug you're the part of the problem bye i'll let you uh so that wouldn't surprise me at all um what was your take on uh, or let me a better question is what was your owner's take on the cowboys <laughs> loss well, listening to him Tuesday on, on the flagship network, it didn't matter what question those guys were going to ask. He was going to give the same <laughs> he answer. Points. He, he had the same answer for every it, – it, it was a bad night. Give the Niners credit. Can we play better? Yes. Do we have the players who can – in place to be better? Yes. Dak is the quarterback to take us to where we want to go. McCarthy is the coach, and we have the coaching staff that does. So he was just repeating that over and over again. Um, and look, surprising that the general manager will think that they have the players in place on the roster, right? Um, they got some big questions though at linebacker with Van Der Esch's injury. I don't know what they, your real, the only real option you have is making Micah more of an off the ball linebacker. If we're being, if they're being truthful. Um, and then because then you can rush Sam Williams, Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler. You can kind of that. You can be okay at pass rusher, um, if if you move Micah. If you keep Micah where he is full time, the way they've been. What are your answers at Van Der Esch's spot? It's Damone Clark. Everybody loves the kid and his work ethic and all that. Still want to see him play. Marquise Bell, Malik Jefferson, play more safeties like. No, because you're just going to get that, run over in the run game. Right. And, and there were times that in that game against the Niners, they, they went with four safety looks when they brought on uh, Wanye Thomas. So I, I, 
you know, I didn't look at it. How many snaps did Mozzie play in that game the other night? I, I, uh, it wasn't very I many. It, I have it at my disposal if you'll filibuster for just a second. It, well, and look, that, that whole thing, was, the, the, the whole reason why they drafted Mozzie was for games like this. And I actually thought Jonathan Hankins wasn't bad, to be honest with you, but with, with Mozzie, you were still kind of – Right. Uh, Mozzie Smith. Uh, Mozzie Smith. I uh, played 22 snaps. That might be a season Hank- high, I guess. <laughs> Hankins played 40. So, yeah, we'll so, go back and look at his 22. Uh, and you know what, dog? Real talk, because I haven't looked at it. You know, we don't know when his 22 came. His 22 might have came when it was 35 to 10. And they were like, I, I think Hank- I, I remember him on the field. I remember him being on the field mostly more in the second half than in the first half. Yeah. So. But so I mean that that's Van Rush's Van Rush's loss is 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 a uh, is a pretty significant one for a variety of reasons, but mostly being they don't have another guy and don't are the fans be like they should never have cut Jabril Cox. If you were watching the preseason, if you watch training camp. Yes, they were okay in cutting Jabril Cox. They never should have cut Devin Harper. That was, they tried to get sneaky there. Devin Harper is a special teams guy. That wasn't an issue. So I, I, I don't know if they go out and sign some kind of veteran guy that's available. I have a feeling they'll be going to be more like practice squad poach kind of situation. And maybe you're getting a veteran off a of practice squad and not the young guy. Um, so I, don't expect that. I, I, and I don't see a trade happening either. So, All right. man, we're painting a positive we go, picture. Hey, man, you get beat 42 to 10, you just have to take this ass kicking it comes. <laughs> uh, it, it, it ain't even complicated. Uh, what's your take on uh, the petulance of CeeDee Lamb? Or should I, or am I, or am I wrong? I, I don't even know if it's, is it wise? Yeah, I think it's wrong to say petulance, right? I mean, is, have we, see, that's why you, I you, You've covered these. You've been around all these big time receivers. Is he doing anything different than these other guys? What he, what he's not being is disrupt, disruptive, the way a, another receiver named with the initials Terrell was. No, Dez wasn't disruptive. I, I don't no no. I don't think Dez was disruptive the way To was. Um, okay, no, I, I To is my guy, but nobody's as disruptive as To. And, and and this isn't. You could see the, the, the CD thing coming for the last couple of weeks. And this isn't because of what happened against the Niners. Like, he was not happy uh, in the last game against the Patriots. He chose not to speak with the media. He wasn't happy in the Arizona game either. So um, th- this has been building. And I think this is where I struggle. Uh, and and we've, we've always talked about this, be it uh, Dez, whoever, whoever you want to call the number one. It can't be the, – the answer can't be, well, they doubled him. We can't get him the ball. Don't let him be doubled. Nope. Move him around. Put him in motion. Do something. He's your guy. And, and look, I'll give McCarthy's track record um, a, a pass on this one because he's had Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, uh, James Jones, I'm missing guys. Who else did he have? A, Donald Driver. He's had these guys that yeah. have been number one receivers that have still produced. So 
the 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 best thing that they say about CD is how they move him around and they make it hard for him to be uh, doubled and get extra attention. Well, do more to get him open because he's the guy that needs to get the ball. And then, you know, if you look at some of the plays, he's wide open and he, the ball's going somewhere else either because Dak's reading it quick, he's under pressure, he's got to get rid of it, or he's just not seeing it. And I don't know what, what is the good or or – I don't know what what good part of that. I don't know how that's good. That if it's almost predetermined, like I can't go here, I got to go here right away. That I'm not seeing, not trusting the, the blocking. I'm not trusting my eyes are going to tell me, my, my feet are going to tell me. But CD needs to be a guy that has a Jamar Chase kind of afternoon in Cincinnati. Yeah, and here's the last thing on that, man. I find all this interesting because his numbers really aren't that much different than they were through five games last year. Now, maybe we can use the same Cooper Cup argument, but they're virtually the same Rush. as they were. Cooper the, Rush. The only – who did I say? Cooper what? You said Cooper Cup. <laughs> oh, that's because I'm, I'm thinking about the Rams and how they, how they do them. Uh, but, um, you know, the only thing that's down is his targets. Like the catches and the yards and touchdowns are virtually the same. It's just that he had 50 targets this time last year. He's only got 35 now. And some of that is they're running the ball a little bit more, I guess, right? And but but again, it's after their first two games, they got to get Michael Gallup more involved. Da, 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 da. Last week, we got to get Brandon Cooks more involved. Da, 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 da. How about get CD Lamb involved? How about that? Who do you want to get the ball to more? Like he's got to be the number one option the entire time. Let's not invent or not 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 invent. Let's not come up with different ways of, well, we got to get these other guys the ball too. Yes, you do, but not at the expense of CD Lamb. Doug, uh, we say this all the time when we're playing video games. Don't waste carries on somebody and don't waste passes on somebody. Get the ball to your best players. It ain't that complicated. But uh, anyway, <laughs> Todd Archer. Maybe you can, you can tell McCarthy it. that on Wednesday at the press conference. Now, you can't say that after 42-10 loss. You can say that after a win. You can't, you can't bring that up after a loss. That's like when uh, my boy Kevin Watkins told uh, Wade Phillips he could probably coach the team better than he could. I'm paraphrasing. He'd have him in the playoffs. No, he yeah, said he'd, he'd have, have him in the playoffs. playoffs. Uh, he got a one-week suspension for that. <laughs> it was funny, though. <laughs> anyway, Todd Archer, we always appreciate you, man. Thanks for the insight All today. Right. Thanks. Talk to you next week. Okay, brother. That is Todd Archer brought to you each and every Wednesday by Smokey John's Barbecue. Now, let me tell y'all what happened at Smokey John's Barbecue this week. I went in there to get my first jam session bowl in weeks. Weeks. And I ran into three guys. Uh, they look like uh, young guys because they, they were from Oklahoma uh, coming down for the game. And uh, they saw, after I had ordered, they just saw it. And I said, dog, I know you want that. <laughs> he said, it does look good. And he ordered, like, uh, just the regular stuff, you know, ribs and a couple of sides. I said, this is where it's at right here, dog. This is what you need right here. This thing right here changed your life. I said, it's the jam session bowl. And here's the funny part, man. One of the assistant managers looked over and said, yeah, it's okay if you remember that. Otherwise, you can just call it the mashed potato or macaroni bowl. I said, no, you can't. We're going to keep the branding. And she looked at me and said, yes, sir. And then I looked at the guy and said, no, man, it's a jam session bowl after my former podcast. And so, yeah, because, you know, I always have to make it about me at one level. 
But anyway, uh, I told him what was in it, and I said, hey, this is what's in it, dog. They put macaroni and cheese or mashed potatoes as a base, which is why she said you can call it the mac, mac bowl or the potato bowl. I said, but then, dog, you get to pick two out of five smoked meats, man. I picked the brisket and the sausage. And then, dog, look at it. Look down there because I pointed down and I said, man, they put all the stuff you find on a loaded baked potato on it, including chives, bacon bits, uh, so, dude, it was it was some sour cream. It was some cheese. It was some butter. Uh, I told him to keep the butter this time. It's too much butter. But uh, everything else is great. And then, hey, you drizzle it with sauce. You drench it with sauce. It was so good. It looked so good. I sent Big Joe and the Big Rick pictures of it. Yeah, he didn't respond, did. but I sent him pictures. No response, but I sent him pictures. Um, and so it, it was delicious. It was fantastic. Uh, me and my girl gobbled it up. It was fantastic. Uh, so, uh, the other thing is, you don't have to just go to Smokey John's over there at 1820 Mockingbird to get the jam session bowl. If you want Smokey John's at the crib, go to the website, smokeyjohns.com, click on Marketplace. You can buy the rub or the sauce and have it delivered to your house in a couple of days. And if you want it faster than that, take your butt to HEB around Dallas Fort Worth and you can get it there. It's on the shelves. Boom. No excuse not to have Smokey John's in your life. Um, today, as we move on, let's have a little talk around the block. Or let's take a little trip around the block. That's how, that's how we do it. Let's have a talk while we take a trip around the block. Okay, that's how I wanted to say it. Today is a big day for your boy. Today is the day Coach Prime. Deion Sanders and the Making of Men drops. It also happened to be my Aunt Candy's birthday. Uh, I, I don't want to really say she's my favorite aunt because I love all my aunts, but she's my favorite aunt. Now, Donna, don't get mad. I love you just as much. But Candy, we had a special bond, man. And she died unexpectedly, like really unexpectedly, uh, a couple years ago. Broke me in half. Because uh, she's, uh, I think she's about 15 years older than me. Uh, but uh, her birthday is 10-10, which is why I always remembered it, 10-10. That's Candy's birthday. So it seemed ironic to me that the book, A Labor of Love and Work, for the last year and a half or so, popped out uh, today on her birthday. Uh, now, I got to tell you all something. Uh, it's a big deal. I've written a couple other books, but I, I, I like to say those were books that I wrote a bunch of feature stories, like 20 different stories, and put them together and compiled them, and that became a book. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but this was a book where, you know, I, I spent six months in Jackson with uh, Deion Sanders and his players and his coaching staff and, uh, you know, hung out, embedded with the team, went to meetings. Uh, ask coaches about strategies and talk to players about stuff and really uh, give you one of the most intimate behind the scenes look that you'll ever have at a college football program as they chase perfection and uh, try to get to the Celebration Bowl and have a uh, perfect season at Jackson State. We all know it didn't happen. They lost in the championship game in overtime uh, a couple weeks after Dion announced that uh, he was going to Colorado no doubt whatsoever in my mind, now ain't nobody asked me, but there's no doubt in my mind that had he remained at Jackson State, they would have won the Celebration Bowl because it wouldn't have been the distraction that it was 
uh, in terms of trying to keep guys focused on Jackson State instead of thinking about Colorado or, you know, having half your staff, you know, just, you know, just all the distractions that come with any coach who takes a job that time of year. Uh, so it was surreal this morning. I didn't tell you this, Joe. So I'm on, uh, I was on, y'all, most of y'all know I go to the gym every morning right around five o'clock. Uh, I, I like to start my workout with a 12 minute trip to the sauna because I'm old. So the heat loosens up my body, gets my sweat going, and I just feel better. So I was in the sauna looking at Twitter because I do like Twitter. And I see that somebody says, hey, I just got your book. I can't wait to dive into it. And at that moment, I go, you know what? Let me download the audio book. So I downloaded the audio book. And I got to tell y'all, it was surreal to be in the shower. I mean, in the, in the uh, sauna, listening to the book that I wrote on an audio book. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of wild. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, no, it was, a, it was a trip, bro, uh, a real trip because, uh, you know, a lot of work went into that thing, and uh, it was, uh, you know, I never thought I would like to write books because if y'all can follow this, um, I have a baseball mentality when it comes to writing because I cover the beat, and the beat is like a daily thing where you're producing news. And so you could write a great story. And for me, that was like going four for four with a couple of doubles and a homer and driving in six runs. And then if say Clarence E. Hill Jr. the Star Telegram beat me on a story that was big, that would be like going 0 for three and striking out three times with the bases loaded every time. And so I like the immediacy of going back to work the next day and to see if I can, I can have another day. So when I got the opportunity to write the book, I was like, man, I hope I can do this for a year and a half or a year and uh, really commit to it. Uh, and I did it and I found out, man, that I enjoy the book writing process. I enjoy the research. Uh, I really, 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 really enjoy the interviewing part. And then I enjoy the writing part. So there's nothing that I don't like about it. Uh, and I like the process. And so now that I've done this one, I'm uh, talking to uh, my friends at HarperCollins. I've got an idea. And uh, we're kind of in negotiations right now for me to do a second, what I call a real book. And so uh, I, think, and I'm, I think I just want to be a book writer now. <laughs> I mean, I like all this other stuff, podcasting. I like covering the team, the NFL for sportsnot.com. Uh, that's sportsnaut.com for those of y'all unfamiliar with the website. Go check it out. I do a lot of NFL stuff over there in addition to some Cowboys stuff. But um, I just enjoy the process. Uh, you, if I'm not mistaken, are an avid book reader or book listener too. Yeah. Uh, when Most you were definitely. driving trucks. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, I ain't even going to lie. I'm pretty sure you turned me on to audiobooks because you used to listen to them. Uh, while audio, you were driving, audio now. books are like a movie for your mind. And I got to tell y'all, Big John Big Rig on the road today. I'm he on the road rare, every day. He called, I'm not going to co-sign on that, but he called it a ray of hope earlier, and that was a beautiful line. And then he said it's like a movie for your mind. I'm almost starting to think. Now you can be honest with me, man, because it's just us right here. Mm-hmm. Are you doing the Jim Nance? Are you writing your lines down before the show? Nah, you man. Just, it, it's okay if you are. There's no, judgment, there's no judgment zone here. 
Nah, I had to do that. Nah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm on, I'm on the road. I'm on such a road today. It's two things that I'm waiting for. What's that? That damn jam, the the jam session bowl that you promised to bring out here, and you sent the picture, and I'm going, what the hell am I going <laughs> to do with that? And then my autographed copy of the book that I was promised. Oh, okay. No, I got you. As soon as as soon as your book comes in, tell me when it comes in. I'll be. I bring the jam session oh, bowl. Oh no, 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 no! Wait, wait, wait. What you talking about when what? my book come in? What do that mean? What does that mean? Uh, you ain't ordered it? No, no, no. No, no, no. Putting up with your ass for 30 years <laughs> entitles me. <laughs> entitles me to a free book. You understand? Autograph this, book. Free autograph this, book. Uh, let me tell y'all what's going to happen. Let me tell y'all, I promise y'all this is going to happen. If he don't hear the right response to what he just said, I promise y'all he going to bring up a copy of Front Page Sports football for a computer that I borrowed in 1992 and he gonna say you never paid me back for that at least you uh-huh. do buy me to bring the book over I got two copies of Windows 95 that year too that's, I, that's, <laughs> you know <laughs> that's how that worked but, uh, but go ahead with yourself you saying uh, so yeah uh, but uh, I enjoy the book writing process and uh, for those of you who don't know I'll give you the quick backdrop uh, I was doing some work for ESPN um, and they knew I had a relationship with Dion. So when he went to uh, Jackson State, they asked me if, um, if I could do a story on it once he accepted the position. And I said, okay, let me try to find him. So I called him, and you know professional athletes. Well, you don't know, but professional athletes change the phone number all the time. So he had a new number. And I told him, I said, well, I don't have his number. He changed it. I said, but his team that he coaches trinity christian academy in cedar hill i said they just happen to be playing my son's team desoto uh which is uh, they're they're literally like a mile and a half from each other they're playing my son's team in a couple of weeks i said so i'll go down on the field before the game catch up with him and see you know if he's amenable to doing a story so uh, that's what happened so i caught up with him and uh, he's like dog where you been da, da, da. so we caught up it's all good and uh, I wrote a story a couple weeks later. And I just kind of wrote arbitrarily for that first year. And that second year, they said, hey, we really enjoy the work you're doing. Why don't you just cover it like a beat and just go down there periodically and just write stuff? And so I did. And uh, at a certain point, Sports Illustrated called me and said, hey, we want a story of Dion and what he's doing at Jackson State. And based on everybody we talked to, you seem like the perfect person to do it because he doesn't really talk to a lot of other reporters. I said, cool. So I wrote this cover story for Sports Illustrated, which turned out really well. And two days later, literally, uh, the people at HarperCollins called and said, we've been looking for somebody to write a Dion book for a couple years. Would you be interested? And I was like, absolutely. And uh, I told, told Dion to text, texted him, told him to call me, broke it down for him. And he was like, hey, I got you. Whatever you need, access-wise, there's no problem. You can have to run of the place. And so that's how I ended up writing a book. Uh, it's been a truly uh, uh, hard process, uh, but it's a fun process. And I'm going to tell y'all, and then I'll let it go. Here's what the process is like for those of you who might want to be an author one day. Uh, you write the book, uh, and then you turn the manuscript in. And I ended up turning in, I think, 90,000 words. It was supposed to be 80, but what writer do you know sticks to the word count? So I turned in 90,000 words. 
And then what happens, bro, is they end up sending it back two or three times for you to edit it. Your editor edits it, then you edit your edits, your, your editors edit, and then it just goes back and forth like three different times. So can you imagine reading the same 300-word book three different times, trying to improve it and make it better? Uh, that part can be a little uh, daunting, but you know you, gotta, you want to turn in the best work you can, so you just kind of deal with it. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, there's a deadline where they say, hey, once you do this, there's nothing else we can do. You can't change anything. And that's about three months after you've turned in the first, the first uh, manuscript. So I thought I was done in March when I turned it in, and I really wasn't done until like the middle of June uh, after going through the whole editing process. So, but uh, anyway, it's a big day for me. You can find the book, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, and the Making It Men, wherever you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target, wherever you want it, it's on uh, Audible. If you want the audio book, because that's like a movie for your mind, uh, feel free to go get it. Um, if you want an autographed copy, uh, uh, I'll address that probably on Thursday's show. But basically, you can send it to me, and I will uh, send it back to you. Or you can buy it from me, and then I'll send it back to you. Well, congratulations, dog. Thank you, sir. Another milestone in your career. I always tell you now, I don't, you know, you get on my damn nerves, but I'm going to give you a kumbaya moment here. Oh, okay. Your journey is my journey. I'm proud of you the whole way. From the damn girls soccer to the Rangers <laughs> to the Super Bowl, the Cowboys, and writing a book and doing this podcast with your raggedy ass. It's all good. It's all love. And, you know, this is brotherly love right here because he didn't cuss me out more in the last six weeks, I think, than anybody else. But, you know, it is what it is. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, because only your boys can cuss you out the way he could. I mean, he talked bad to me. <laughs> but only only your boys can do that too, because anybody else, there's I, nobody. I, I, I'm finna pull. There's, I'm finna pull up with my baseball bat and my Glock. But, there's nobody but, on yeah. this earth feeling sorry for your ass right now. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's shift this this around the blitz, this talk as we walk around the block. To uh, I got to notice. Well, here's what happened. My daughter hit me up the other day on a text and she said hey did you just get a notification from netflix i said i did what's it about she said well i was trying to use your password and uh you have to approve it i said well 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 this sounds like i'm in position of power right now uh but i said yeah yeah you know i, I teased her for a minute i said yeah you, you're approved but then my niece sent me a message like a week later hey I was wondering if I could use your Netflix password, blah, blah, blah. And I told her, I said, you know, I love you, girl. I really do. But the answer is no, because you've used it. I mean, my, I said, my daughter's used it. My son is using it because they're in different locations. My daughter lives in Waxahachie. My son is in college in North Texas. Uh, my nephew, who played football at the University of Florida, the only reason that's important is what came out like a month ago, that documentary on the University of Florida, right, with Urban Meyer. Well, he played on that team with Tim Tebow. He was part of Tebow's draft class. So my daughter gave him my password so he could look for that. And I tell her, I said, you're the reason why Netflix want to charge us more for streaming. So anyway, dog, to wrap this story up, Netflix sent me something a couple days ago they said, if you want a family membership so that your family members, no matter where they are, 
can use your account, it is $7 a month. Now, that might not seem like a lot to y'all, but that's $84 a year. But more importantly, that would take my Netflix bill to $28 a month. And I was just like, no, no, hell no. I'm not paying $30 a month for Netflix. I just can't do it. Good conscience can't do it, can't pay $30 or $360 a month for Netflix. Cash app, uh, dog. Cash, can't do it. Cash app. Uh, not tell saying. them to send me the money? Yeah. Send it, you split that bill up. That $28, split it up between the four people. There you go. You uh, paying $7 a month. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, okay. Now, of course, I feel bad asking them for the $7. Yeah, they ain't feel bad asking you for the password. And they, <laughs> they, they grown. Yeah. Come on. Now, now, now. In, in, my, in his defense, my daughter is in her early 30s. My nephew is in his early 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you might have a point there. $7. That's you might have a point there. There you go. I mean, I would just take it from one of them, and then that would keep my bill back at. At, uh, Take it from everybody you And your bill is $7 We talking about grown ass people paying $7 for Netflix But anyway Alright it's all good You know that's, that's a very appealing thing uh, This is what I'm going to do man See you know uh, I'm going to put that in the group chat See if they want to go down See if they want to get down with that But I'm going to keep the password That way if you don't pay for it I'm going to change the password on you Yeah Because you know people are changed Or I would just say why don't y'all just pay me Quarterly, pay me twenty eight dollars, and then you only got to do it every four months, as opposed to seven dollars a month. But uh, either way, it's fine. Yeah. But I'm gonna oh, yeah. I'm gonna run that past them. Oh yeah, I'm gonna run that past them, and uh, and see if they want to do that. Because I think you're right. Seven dollars is still better than the twenty one dollars you would have to pay for yourself. Right, right. Uh, all right. See, look at Big Joe. I told you he'd been on the road today. That's three huge uh, contributions. And then some of the most loving words you'll ever get from a seven-letter cuss word. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, you got kids. Any of them use your, uh, use your Netflix password? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Netflix was giving us... Uh, or whatever password. Uh, we, we share Say a that couple. again? Netflix was giving us... Oh. Netflix was giving us uh, a notice about the passwords, and I think... I think uh, my daughter might have moved on. We got our own. I got our own deal. We share Hulu. We pay some of that. Oh, so it's all good. Oh, is that where you got that idea from? No, no. Oh, okay. Now you can go on and brag on your daughter, the aeronautical engineer. Uh, you know, she one of my favorite people. Uh, yeah. But anyway, she's a mechanical uh, engineer. A mechanical engineer. I knew it was some kind of yeah. big time. I knew it was some kind of big time engineering title with some with some words in front of it that means she a badass. I think it's uh, mechanical, mechanical aviation, mechanical engineering, minor oh. aviation, something like it. Like I said, badass. Yeah. Uh, and from, I know she a badass because she was over at your house fixing stuff the other day. I respect anyone who can fix stuff because I can't fix nothing. She come from badass people. Okay. Yeah. I, yes. Okay, I ain't gonna argue with none of that. <laughs> but uh, that's my streaming thing. Uh, I spend a lot on streaming. Streaming used to be the anti-cable. I don't spend any on cable, but 
if you add up the streaming bill, dog, if you're not careful, it can exceed whatever you used to spend on cable. Yeah. Uh, sure. And so what I have tried to become, and let's see what you had. I have tried to become, I'll do that trial run if I want to see something for a week or a month. And then as soon as I get it, I'll cancel it so I don't forget to cancel it and just let it play out after a week or three weeks or whatever it is so I can see what I'm trying to see. Yeah, I'm a Disney now guy. you play that game? I'm a Disney guy, so I got to have Disney for my Star Wars and my and my uh, uh, Avengers stuff. Um, uh, if it ain't on Disney, Netflix, or Prime, I ain't watching it. Disney, Netflix, or Prime. All right, I have, uh, right now, I have Netflix and Prime. I did get Hulu from my daughter. Yeah, Hulu. I got Hulu too. And uh, I think that's it for now. But I, you know, I've had Paramount and BET. Showtime, when they got something going on good, I'll pop over there for a week or two weeks. HBO Max, I don't like spending $12 a month. So I I haven't been down with them. Uh, You know, so I go back and forth, but I try to keep it under control. But it's getting harder and harder every year because I like what I like and I like to watch what I like when I like to watch it. So uh, it is what it is. But that's our trip around the block where we had a nice talk or something like that. Let's move on to college football and a couple of big games last week. Uh, The biggest of the biggest games, and I got to tell you, man, it's a great day, is uh, I was fortunate enough to go to Texas OU. It was only my third Texas OU game. I went to the one, I think they told me it was like 92, 93. It's the Stoney Clark game where Stoney Clark made the huge hit at the goal line to preserve uh, a Texas win over OU. And then, now the only reason I know this is I stumbled across a press credential the other day. That's the only reason I remember this game. Uh, Because I don't remember going at all. And so I asked Clarence, E. Hill Jr., who's a Texas grad, I said, what happened in the 2011 game? And he's, I mean, he was, he was running through his memories. He's like, dog, I, I don't even know. It must have been a nondescript game. And so then I asked my former partner on the Cowboys, who's now, he's been in Austin for 20 years now, but he, he, was my, he was my guy on the Cowboys for three years, Chip Brown. He a badass reporter. So I bumped into Chip. I said, dog. What happened in the 2011 Texas OU game? And he rattled his brain. He said, this is my 30th game, and that one doesn't stand out to me. Hey, dog, you know why that game didn't stand out to either one of them? Landry Thurman Jones threw three touchdown passes, and Oklahoma wins 55-17. That's why that game ain't stand out to none of the Texas guys. Right. Uh, Because that was an Oklahoma ass kicking. Yeah. Uh, The game the other day, man, was a classic. It was, uh, I mean, it was back and forth bunch of big plays riveting and uh OU deserved to win OU did win and um you know the little quarterback Dylan Gabriel was sensational uh and he was uh you know he's only like 5'11 looked like he weighed about 185 pounds not a big guy at all was little, yeah. but dude they could not bring him down for nothing and left-handed now nah. and left-handed uh now if I'm not mistaken you went against the grain and said you thought OU would win. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Why sure. did you think OU could win was win? Now uh, that I go back and remember you saying that. I don't really have a dog in the hunt. 
but OU seems to handle fanfare and pressure and press. All the things that come with being a top program, they seem to handle it a little better than UT. When UT kicks somebody's butt, like the year they had Ellinger and them guys beat Georgia, and they was like going crazy, like we're going to be number one next year. It, it kind of created an environment where they can't handle the pressure. Uh, that's what I thought would happen, but that's not what happened. Texas didn't not handle the moment. I thought they played well. I thought it was, like you said, I thought it was a great game. But I thought they would fold. And I don't think that team folded. But I just thought they lost the game. So, you know, uh, my, my reason for predicting it wasn't the reason they lost. That's what I'm saying. So, Right. Well, I thought it was interesting because all week, uh, Clarence was saying we should be number one if we win. Yep. And my whole point was, it don't really matter, dog. <laughs> like for real, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter where you're ranked right now or where you're ranked uh, when the BCS first comes out, because every team got these big games to play. Yeah. And so, if you're good enough, and you win the games you're supposed to win or the games you need to win. In November, when it really matters, you'll be ranked in one of them top four slots and get a chance to play in the playoff. Yeah. And so it's like Ohio State. We're not playing very well right now, but I don't, to me, but I don't really care because the only thing that matters is how do you play against Penn, St- Penn State in a couple weeks and can you beat Michigan? If you win those two, you'll be in the playoffs, I guarantee it. Um, if you lose one of those, probably to Michigan, and it's a very close ball game, you can still find your way in the playoff if that's, if that's your only loss. Uh, so um, that's my way of saying I don't get too caught up in the rankings right now. It's still early. It's still a lot of football to play. And as we've seen over the years, these things typically take care of themselves. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing about Texas because, you know, Texas, Texas lost to OU. They went out. Go to the Big 12 championship. They play again. You know, they win. They can be in the playoffs. Especially if OU win out, too. No, exactly. So, there's no need to panic. They just need to keep playing and getting better. Man, it was one uh, of the best. Colorado. It was, Go one, ahead. it was one of the best Texas OU games I've seen. Uh, no no quit in either I team. Know, it, was, it was pretty good. No, nah, dog, it was riveting. It was a great day for football. I mean, it was perfect. Yeah. It was like 65 yeah. degrees. The stadium was electric. I mean, it was, dude, this is why college football is my favorite sport. If y'all didn't know, this is why college football is my favorite sport. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, I love the NFL, but the gap between college football and the NFL for me personally is like the difference between Burger King and McDonald's in terms of one and two. Because college football got all the pageantry. They got all the energy. They got all the excitement. Uh, because you, and here's my thing. It's because you, your rooting is different for your college team. Um, especially if you went there. Uh, it's not necessarily if you went there, but especially if you went there. You know, you have an emotional investment um, that even at the NFL level, you can have, but it's, to me it's different. Um, it's just different because you have memories and you, you spent your money there and, and all that stuff. So, But anyway, I love college football. I love the pageantry. love the emotion. love the excitement. love the way the kids uh, get into it. I love everything except most of the coaches. 
because they're control freaks who get on my nerves. Uh, like Mark Stoops. Did you hear what he said the other day? No, what did he say? This is a Kentucky coach, Mike Stoops. Uh, he's, after they lose 51-13, he tells his fan base, y'all need to, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something to the effect of, y'all need to buy better players uh, so we can compete with these teams. I was just like, duh. So now we're not going to accept responsibility for the loss. We're going to just say, well, y'all need to buy some better players, contribute mightily to the University of Texas, uh, Kentucky Player Fund. So, they, so none of them coaches is. believe they can win without NIL. Is that what we're saying? Now <laughs> <laughs> it's about to uh, now, Come on, man. Yeah, I think there is some, there is some truth to that, but, but – he didn't necessarily need to say it like that. Well, A and M, I like you know I'm 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 not against A and M, but A and M had the number one class, one of the top ranked classes, and when the NIL came out, you still got to coach them up. Even if you even if you yep. got the pocketbook to get them, you still got to coach them up. Jimbo Fish ain't. Yeah, never mind. Go that's ahead. Why, that's why it aggravated me. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that. Um, and before we get out of here, Colorado, huge win. At Arizona State, uh, 27 24. Uh, and, you know, I heard some people uh, taking shots at Colorado. Can I tell y'all something? Colorado is not a great team, okay? I'm not even sure they're a good team. They're going to have to scrap for every win they get this year. They got a terrific quarterback, they got some really nice skill position players, but their offensive line is shady at best. The entire defense is shady. And so every fight, every game for them is a tight fit. And so people are like, oh, well, they barely beat a crap team like Arizona. You know what I mean? They are who they are, man. They have to fight every week to win or keep it close because they don't have the talent level that they'll have in a couple of years. And so to me, I don't style point Arizona, I mean Colorado. You win, hats off to you. Well, what, in a few what, years... Uh, Go ahead. What took the style points off for Colorado is you kind of like that David and Goliath stuff. You know they was you, you know they was they was evenly matched with Arizona State. You're right, both teams are bad, but right. man, I kind of like the way they played. Even though they lost, they played the hell out of USC. You know they played TCU. Yeah. You know it was it was kind of it was kind of odd to see them play somebody without a number next to it. You know. <laughs> so right, right, right. Yeah, that, that kind of took a little, a little lust off the game. Plus, it wasn't important to the TV people because I had to hunt that damn game. You know, food. Did you ever find the Pac-12 Network? No, but I found YouTube though. They showed it live, or they showed it. They showed it live, huh? Baby. They showed it live. Is that right? Yep. Who knew? Yeah, because I didn't. Yeah. Although the next day I found a ten minute highlight package, which basically made me feel like I watched the game. You you found a Pac twelve network? No. Nah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, nah, but it was one of those things where if I had been at home, I was I was I was at the Texas OU game. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. Even though it came up later, I was still moving around. Yeah. If I had been at home, I would have got the Fubu week trial. Yeah, yeah and, I, I tried and, to do and that. Canceled it as soon as I got it. Yeah, I, I tried to do that. Yes. It didn't work. Oh, it didn't? No, I well, didn't. It didn't work. They okay. they had it on there, and I, I I signed up, and I canceled the hell out of it because it's eighty nine dollars. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, right, I right. Can't be doing that. No. 
Nah, so uh, Colorado, they got uh, Stanford this week. No, they got Arizona coming up. I'm sorry, Arizona. Arizona is decent. Uh, Arizona is decent. No, I take it back. They might have Stanford this week. I think they got Arizona later. Yeah. Um, let me double check real quick. Uh, and I say real quick if I can find it real quick because I, I thought I had something up here that had the uh, schedule on it. If not, y'all going, oh, no, nah, they play Stanford this week. Mm-hmm. One in four Stanford. It's Friday night. And, uh, again, now this is a game they should win, okay? And if they can get to five and two, it's great. It's a great confidence builder for them. Uh, then they get a week off, and then they play UCLA. Uh, and I'll be at that game in L.A. at the Rose Bowl. Um, but more importantly, it means they're basically they got to get one more dub, and they got Arizona coming up, you know, in a few weeks. One more dub, and uh, they'll be bowl eligible. And let me tell y'all something: outside of the bowls that have tie-ins, they're gonna be the hottest bowl team in America because every bowl will want them because they'll travel, and they will sell out their tickets, and they'll provide a great atmosphere. Uh, yeah, all you the know. celebrities yeah. and stuff. Yep. yep. Yep, everything. And their fan base will travel because they ain't been in no bowl in a few years, and they know the excitement around the program. And so they'll be the hottest 6-6 six and six team in the country. Uh, only, only question will be uh, where will they go and what matchup will they want? Will they want a matchup that ensures they go 7-6, and six, so to speak, like you go play another 6-6 six six team? Or will they be like, Put us on the field with one of them disappointing teams, like you know, say Ohio State finishes third in the Big Ten, something like that. Um, you know, which can still offer you something because it's a game where Ohio State wouldn't care, but Colorado would care if that makes sense. Typically, when you have Ohio State, Alabama, when they don't get their, you know, their playoff game, they're like, ah, screw the season, uh, we didn't get it. And so, but you got another team that's like, oh my God, we're playing Ohio State, we're playing Alabama. We got a chance to get one on our belts. And so the dynamics change, which is why it's hard to predict bowl games. Uh, but anyway, Colorado, big win over Arizona State. They got Stanford coming up this week. They need to take care of business. And five and two going into the bye, man, would be fantastic for Colorado and for book sales. Hee <laughs> hee. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey, we're going to wrap this one up for uh, Big Joe and the Big Rig. I'm Jean-Jacques Taylor. Until we chat again, y'all be blessed.